0: you are here. This is what's happening on the hill. It's Father's Day weekend. We're so glad that you guys have chosen to come and worship with us. We want to celebrate the men in our lives. We want to make sure that you know that you're valued and respected. Today's sermon will be an encouragement and inspiration and a reminder that all of us have a Heavenly Father that we can look to for guidance, for love, for encouragement. We also want to say if you are new, this is your first time on the Hill, we have an I'm New Wall. It's a big orange wall in the lobby. You can't miss it. We have a gift for you there. We'd love to connect with you. Connection is what helps us grow. We're made for relationships. We also want to remind you that we've been collecting for ALC, a Loving Choice Pregnancy Center. We got these baby bottles on Mother's Day, and they're due today, this weekend, Father's Day weekend. So if you've forgotten yours, that's okay. We can take them Monday or Tuesday. You can drop them off in the office, and we'll make sure ALC gets the money that they need to continue to minister to men and women who are making their pregnancy um, a glory for the Lord. We also want to encourage you to be with us next week and the following weeks as we start a new sermon series. It's on parables. Jesus taught in parables. These are lessons that He told through story, and they were so pertinent and relevant to the people in His time, His followers, but also to us. We have so much to learn, and we hope that you'll join us in that sermon series. We're also getting ready for school. I know it just ended. We know it's coming again. We're gonna go ahead and get started with helping our school system get ready at Ready Fest. This year, it's being held on July 22nd, and there's a setup on July 21st, if you'd like to help with that. We have an opportunity that you can donate new or gently used clothing. We have tubs in the lobby where you can drop those off. It is going to be held this year at the new convention center here in Shelbyville on 7th Street. We hope that you'll choose to donate or serve in one of those ways so we can partner in our school systems um, and love on kids, love on the teachers, just make a difference in our community. We also want you to get your calendar out. Really, get your calendar out. You need to mark August 5th, Saturday, August 5th. We are so excited to bring our annual picnic, Rock the Creek, back to the campus on the hill. We're gonna celebrate over on our green space on Saturday, August 5th, from four to eight. At four, we're gonna have some games for families. You can participate, gonna share a meal at 5.30, and a big church worship service at seven o'clock. We won't have services on Thursday evening or Sunday morning on that weekend because we want to celebrate and worship together as a family. As our schools begin to come back into session, we want to come together, pray over them, encourage them, inspire them, influence, because that's what Jesus asks us to do. So right now, we just ask that you would join us together. Let's come together, rejoice, and worship now.
1: Hey, well, good morning, everybody. Will you stand up with us? We're going to worship together today.
2: <laughs> the of those walls that we caught see
1: sing this morning. <laughs> well, hey, it is good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, well, we wanted to teach you guys a, a new song this morning. Uh, if we haven't met, my name's Matt. Uh, I came all the way down here from Columbus, Ohio. Maybe? I, that's a shocker. Uh, <laughs> I thought there was going to be a lot of booze. Uh, don't worry. I was born and raised here in Shelbyville, and... Uh, I'm not an OSU fan, never will be. Red is the worst color in the world, I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) uh, What was that? Hey, thanks. Uh, So I'm gonna teach you guys a new song. Uh, I serve at a church uh, based out of Cincinnati, Ohio, and uh, we have a site in Columbus, which is where I work at. And a couple months ago, uh, it's been a while now, but we... We recorded a record uh, with this song on it, and, and part of the personal story that came from this song we're about to sing together is a couple of folks on the team uh, were walking through different things. One of the worship leaders, her mom, was walking through a cancer diagnosis and going through treatments at the time, and one of the other worship leaders, uh, his mother-in-law, was just diagnosed with another terminal illness. Uh, they had known her like a second parent their entire life, and, and they started asking these questions about, oh my goodness, how, how in the world, how in the world Do we praise God through this? How in the world do we get up in the morning and fight joy? And how in the world do we lead people in that on a weekend? And uh, something beautiful had happened in this. And we started asking the question around the table and saying, if the only good thing that we ever got to see, if the only good thing that we ever got from the promises of God was, was the eternity that he has promised us forever If that was it, if your circumstance in this life never changed, if nothing ever got better in this life, would it still be worth following Jesus? It's a sobering question to ask around a table to go, if if however many years you have on this planet, if you knew that your circumstance wasn't going to get better, would you still follow Jesus? Because what we know in the, in the promise of Jesus Is that when we, when we die to ourselves When we lay down our life And we start to follow him and that we, We're not promised good days We're not promised a good tomorrow We're actually promised a really, really good eternity And, and the Bible tells us and teaches us that, that this life that we're living in right now Is actually really, really short Compared to the eternity that's coming with us So I asked the question this morning for us If the only good thing you ever saw was an eternity with Jesus, would it still be worth it to follow him? That's what this next song is all about. That says, God, I know that, I know that you give good things in this life and those things are blessings and that's amazing. But actually I want the promise of who you are. More than a good situation in my life, I want the presence of you in my life more than that new job, or more than that, that good circumstance, more than that good diagnosis even, I actually want the peace of Jesus in my heart. I want the eternity that's coming more than I want what I have right now in front of me. Amen. That's hard. That's a hard faith, but it's worth it. So as we sing this next song, I wanna teach you the chorus of it in just a minute here. As we sing this, I wanna invite you that don't take this lightly. Don't take these words lightly, but if you're ready to mean that this morning and you want to go deeper in it, dig in. Put your hands in the air and surrender and say, God, that's what I want. I want more of you, more than anything, because the life that you have promised me, the peace of your presence in my life is better than anything I could ever experience in this world. So it goes like chapter 9, starts in verse 23, it says, Jesus said to them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. For what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? I love this passage because there's the promise inside of it. It's a costly one like what we just sang together, that the cost of following Jesus is is absolutely everything. There's no negotiations inside of it that you actually have to put down your preferences. You actually have to put down the things that you want, the path that you have designed for your life, literally everything. But I love the promise of Jesus that he says, when you do that, you'll save it. I'll save you. You'll find life when you when you give everything up. And I've been following Jesus for a long time in my life. And what I've realized is that that, that's not just for somebody who doesn't know Jesus yet, but that's actually for a person like me that, that every day there's something that God wants to deal with inside of me. And he says, hey, remember that denying yourself thing? Remember that die to yourself thing? Yeah, like that thing that you think isn't a big deal. Yeah, I want that too. And that's that preference or that opinion that you have about this thing, and that is, I actually want that too. And he doesn't stop because he's a good God who pursues us and says, there's actually a better life for you on the other side of this. I'm not going to stop pursuing those things out of you because I want every single piece of it. And I don't know about you, but, but there's a lot of times in my life where like I can have a comfortable faith and I just want to negotiate and, and push back against God, but... But man, the moments that I can actually say, God, you can have this. I don't get it. I don't understand it. You can have it. It has been so sweet and so, so good because he's true to keep his promises. So as we move into a moment of communion this morning, why don't you just take a minute and maybe ask God where you're sitting. God, is there something that you want in me? Is there something that you want me to lay down and give up to you? And as we remember the sacrifice of what Jesus did on the cross, Maybe just put a picture in your head of you taking that thing and laying it at the foot of the cross. And when you take communion today, you say, you can have it. It's yours. i leave it right here with you. And in its place, I remember a savior that wants to give me a life and a life to the full. God, we thank you for bringing us into places like this on a Sunday morning and just speaking your truth. sometimes I feel like following you can feel and, and look like a, a bright and shiny and a, a super fun thing, or maybe it's just something that we do because it's what we were taught. There's so much more to you than that. There's so much more in life with you, God, and I just feel even in this room this morning that there are things that people need to lay down at your feet so they can walk in freedom, to know that, that when they're in you, there's no condemnation, that when you bring those things to your feet, you're not gonna point a finger and and condemn them or or tell them that they're terrible or scold them. You're gonna open your arms wide and, and bring them in and say, it's okay, I love you, I paid for it. So God, in this moment, as we remember what Jesus has done for us, could you just move our hearts into a place where we could confess and lay down so that we could find times of refreshing and healing? God, we love you. It is in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray all of this. Amen. You can take communion when you're ready.
3: promise you're buried by
1: Dead. you're not a story you're real you're in this room with us even though we can't see you your power your presence is here your living hope fill us with that living hope today god you are good to meet us here it's in jesus name that everybody prays amen amen hey thanks for singing with us why don't you guys go ahead and have a seat
4: we go all right let's do this again happy father's day <laughs> man i'm glad you i'm glad you guys are here and i know some are watching online it's that time of year tribe i know i got family watching online and so i'm just thankful that guys are here and the ladies too but i'm thankful you for being here on father's day but i got a problem what's up with father's day you know i saw something this week that said that Father's Day is the 20th most celebrated holiday in America. Now, Christmas is number one. All for that. That's great. Ironically, Easter is actually not number two. That probably should be there. In fact, that should probably be one. But Mother's Day is number two. I'm okay with, like, way to go, moms. Yeah, I'm all about that. But 20th? 20th? Arbor Day is 8th? <laughs> like planting trees is 12 ahead of Father's Day? Come on, we gotta do something. I, I, man, I'm so thankful for you guys being here. Because here's, what, here's, what here's part of the problem, I think. Part of the problem is Mother's Day gets, i mean and we do, we do it here. It's great, it's great to celebrate moms. We do that. And so everybody wants to come. The kids want to come with mom because we're gonna come in here and in places like this all over the country and we're gonna tell moms how absolutely awesome they are. We're gonna read Proverbs 31 that talks about the perfect woman. I've checked from cover to cover And we don't have a Proverbs 31, dudes. Like, somebody needs to write one. We don't add anything to it, but we probably... So here's what, Father's Day, Mom's Day, man, way to go, you're awesome. And then Dad's Day, we come in and we kind of kick them and beat them. And we ain't gonna do that today. Now, I'm gonna challenge you, because I'm I'm a coach at heart. I mean, that's really what I thought profession was gonna look like. I'm a coach at heart. And here's what coaches do. Coaches... Half to be cheerleaders. Right? Coaches need to tell the the guys when they're getting it right. Okay? But coaches, part of the responsibility of a coach is to challenge. Is to challenge players. And, and you know, the last several years of helping out and doing some coaching on the sideline and being there, I kind of I've kind of become the good cop, you know? I'm kind of the one that guys come and like Wine too when like coach is yelling at me and I know. I'm like that's a good thing right it's a good thing when coach is yelling at you because if he ain't yelling at you guess what he's giving up on you and so there is a time and men I gotta tell you there's a time that men accept the challenge and, and so we need to, today, I want to cheer for you. I want to like, I'm starting off. I said, come on, let's elevate Father's Day to the level of Mother's Day because it's important. In, in fact, God's word says that dads, you need to be the leader. So it's important. So way to go dads. In fact, i say way to go men. Because I know there's some of you in here that aren't dads. And you have played a father figure in someone else's life. Way to go way to go because we need that we need that so much so today we're going to cheer for you some we're going to challenge you some and i hope you're up to the challenge all right some a lot of you guys know billy crystal as an actor you know city slickers and all those things several years ago when his daughter was about to turn 11 he was actually in new york filming a movie and they lived in Los Angeles. And so the day before her birthday, Billy Crystal called her and said, Honey, I love you so much. I'm, I'm sorry that I can't be there. I, I, I just want you to know that I'm so proud of you and I love you. I'm just sorry that I can't be there on your birthday. She did all the things that an 11-year-old girl should do on the phone. And like, it's okay, Dad. It's, it's all right. Well, the next morning she woke up And the doorbell rang, and she went down, and there was a huge package on their front porch. Huge, full-covered, beautiful package. And she started tearing into the package. And when she got all the way and opened the box, her dad walked out. Billy Crystal said she, she cried for five minutes as they just stood on their front porch and hugged. And Billy Crystal said this in an interview, and this is so critically important. Here's what Billy Crystal said. He went on to say, my dad died when I was 15 of a heart attack. I missed far too many birthdays with him. I'm not gonna let that happen with my girls. See, dad, step up to the plate. And, And here's what bothers me. We hear all this stuff, We hear all this stuff in our world about deadbeat dads, wonderful moms and deadbeat dads. And and while it's a sad reality that there are some deadbeat dads, some guys that are not doing what they need to do, there are a whole lot of you guys, a whole lot of guys that are watching online that are doing the very best you can to be a good father today. And maybe it's because your father wasn't around when you were growing up and Like Billy Crystal, you want to do better. Or maybe your wife's put the pressure on you to do a better job. Maybe with more women working outside of the home, dads have seen for themselves the need to get more involved in child rearing and all those things. For whatever reason you're doing it. Way to go, dads. Way to step up. Now, here's the other thing I know. And this is true of Mother's Day, too. Father's Day, Mother's Day, both of them can be very difficult for some people. They can be very difficult. Maybe Father's Day is hard for you because your dad is passed on. Maybe your dad had little or no contact with you and that really, really hurts. Maybe you're grown and your dad just lives far away. Or maybe as a dad, you have a child who's rebelled and there's animosity between you. Dads, here's the deal. We're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. That that person doesn't exist. We're not perfect. Not all men are making progress. But fathers are incredibly valuable. Kids need their dad. And here's what you need to understand as we kick off this morning. God designed the family very specifically. And he included fathers as, check out these three words, as leaders in the home as protectors of the home, and as providers of the home, providers for the home. Now, if dad's not around, kids still need male figures in their life. A surrogate father, an uncle, a grandfather, a coach, someone who can be that male figure. Both boys and girls need those things. See, here's what girls need from a dad or somebody functioning like a dad. Girls need to see a man treat a girl like a lady. Girls need to see a man show her how she should expect boys to treat her. Girls need to see a man demonstrate how incredibly valuable she is. And girls need a man to nurture and protect her and treasure her. And and so we need to do that. We need to do that. Guys, if your kids are still around, be that person be that person and if you are a man and you know some little girl whose daddy is not around for whatever reason do whatever you can to do those things for her she needs them but boys need their dad too here's what boys need dads for boys need a dad or someone functioning in that role to show him what it means to be a man boys need dads to who can tell him that he has what it takes to be a man and get this one, this is critical. Boys need a man who can break his will without breaking his spirit. That's the coaching element. In, in the book of Third John, we don't read there a lot. It's a little tiny one-chapter book tucked in the very back of the New Testament. But 3 John verse 4 says this, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. It's the greatest feeling in the world the greatest feeling in the world I've baptized I don't know hundreds probably over a thousand people in my life but I can tell you by name the ones that mean the most to me my two kids one of my granddaughters and I can't wait for the rest of them because that's the ones, it, there's no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And so today, we're going to finish our study of a great man. A great man named Samuel that we've been talking about. Now, Samuel did a lot of great, great stuff. He served as a judge. He was the leader of the Israelite nation for a while. But sadly, Samuel was more successful leading a nation than he was leading his own family. Remember, we've talked about how the people clamored for a king. They wanted a king. Here's what happened in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 4 and 5. Look what it says. All the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. And check this out. They said to him, You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, as all the other nations have. Now, God, it had to hurt it had to hurt for Samuel to hear you're old I mean come on oh it, that, that stings a little bit when it comes from somebody and it's not attached to happy birthday when I mean, you know when it's attached to hey old man <laughs> you're getting old no, that had to hurt but there's no way that hurt anywhere near as much as the next phrase and your sons don't walk in your ways. His sons didn't share his values. You see, even good fathers, even holy, wise, brave, godly fathers sometimes raise children who do not share their convictions. That ought to tell us a couple of things, I think. If your children are grown and they've not followed the path you've hoped for, it's not necessarily your fault. It ought to also tell us that Some kids have lousy fathers and they turn out great. Some kids have great fathers and they turn out lousy. Because children have free will and sometimes they reject their parents' values. Samuel's sons are evidence of that. They verify that. Guys, our greatest calling life is to introduce our kids to Jesus. And then not only introduce them to Jesus, but to disciple them to help them grow in Jesus and, and understanding who he is in their life and disciple them into that relationship. Now, here's the spoiler alert. That's not the church's responsibility. We've got awesome children's ministry. We've got awesome student ministry. We've got an awesome nursery, all those things. But straight up, it's not the church's responsibility to teach children about Jesus. Our responsibility is to partner with mom and dad who are responsible for teaching their children about Jesus and discipling them. Because you can't, you can't lead someone into a relationship that you don't have, and that you don't understand your role. We got to get that right. We got to get our role right first and then share it with our kids so let me give you a few things we can learn from Samuel really quickly first of all fathers lead in the home with both authority and influence now I want to partner this passage from first Samuel 8 with another chapter in the Bible Psalm 1 Psalm 1 was written by another dad who had issues with his kids He was actually the second king that Samuel anointed. After after Saul was put out, then David was anointed as king, and Samuel did that. And in Psalm 1, listen to what David wrote. He said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I want you to see the progression here. Once you see the progression of the words, notice how he starts off. He says, blessed is a man who does not walk. not walk. It's actual moving, okay? It's actual moving. It's like who you're going through life with, who you're journeying through life with. Who's those partners that are all around you? You know, people that are walking with you can either make you or break you. There's a young man who played college basketball in Western Kentucky at Murray, that's having a whole lot of trouble in the NBA right now because the people he was walking with aren't walking in the right ways. cost John Morant $50 million because he was walking with the wrong people. All right? David said, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Now look at the second thing. Or stand in the way of sinners. Because here's the progression. There's a great chance that who you are walking with is who you are going to stop and stand and hang out with on the street corners of life. And so if you're not walking with them, there's a good chance you won't stop and stand with them. But look at the next progression. Or sit in the seat of mockers. These are people that are mocking God and mocking his ways. Mocking you for trying to be a godly father. Mocking you for getting up on Father's Day and coming to church instead of going to the lake or the golf course like a lot of people do. And he said, "He said, here's the deal, if you're not walking with the wrong people, you won't stop and stand with the wrong people, and you sure won't sit down with people that are mocking those that are trying to follow God. That's a great progression that David learned the hard way, that David learned the hard way. But look at verse 2, his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night we got to teach our kids right who to hang with who to be with the world counsels that parents should not try to impose their values on their children that's what the world says the world says you do you teach your kids just to be themselves give them great self esteem you do you I'm just going to be over here let our children grow up and make their own decisions about everything about religion and morality and how they live their life that's what the world says look what God says though God says in Proverbs chapter 22, verse six, he says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. I want you to notice something on there. It says, when they are old, when he or she is old, there is almost an implication there, isn't there? That before they get old, while they are getting old, while they are growing up, that they may take some wrong turns along the way. But if you train them in the way they should go, the chances are that when they're old, they will not turn away from it and they'll come back to it. But here's something really critical you've got to understand. You can't come back to where you've never been. Yes, Do the math in your head. You can't come back to where you've never been. And so we've got to train our children right. The world says that building self-esteem and self-reliance into our children is our primary objective. But check out what the Bible says here in, in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs twenty uh, fifteen. Look, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is what teaches wisdom and humility comes before honor. Now there is a season of life. When dads listen up, you're the authority figure. You you are the sheriff in town, And, and, and you better not be like Barney. You better have your gun loaded all right there is a season in life when you are the sheriff in town and you need to lay down the law because you're training a child in the way they should go but as you exercise that authority you better be careful about how you exercise that authority remember coaches are both cheerleaders and challengers you remember last year we did a series on family and we talked about the boardroom of life do you remember that And we talked about how while there's a time when you are seated at the head of the table, you are chairman of the board. But there's a time that comes when your child takes over the chairman's seat. And how you lead during the time when you are the authority figure will determine which seat around the table that you get. And you want to lead with authority in such a way that when they are in that seat, that you have the opportunity to be in the next seat, the seat of influence. Because in a board meeting, in a corporate board meeting, that person sitting next to the CEO or whoever's that boss there, they are the ones with the influence. They're the ones that when decisions are being made are whispering in their ear or sliding notes across the table, it's hard to slide a note across the table from this chair. It's hard to be an influence from this chair. And so understand that it's both a combination of authority and influence and how you lead with authority will determine whether or not you'll be in a position of influence later in your child's life. I can promise you that one of the greatest joys in life, and some of you can say amen because you've experienced it already. One of the greatest joys in life is when your adult children call and ask your advice. It is awesome. It is awesome. Now, you guys know I'm kind of a smart aleck at heart, so there's a few times that I start off with the exact opposite of what I really think they do just to see how they react. And then, no, 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 this is what you need to do. But having a place of influence, having a place of influence comes from how you lead with authority and do it appropriately. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. So fathers lead in the home with authority and influence. Second thing, fathers lead by providing protection and security. Protection and security. Remember at the end of Forrest Gump? What a great movie. Remember how you saw Forrest sitting on the bus bench early on and running across the country and all that kind of stuff. But the very last scene of the movie, Jenny. Jenny. His beloved has died. And it's just him and the little boy now living in the house. It's the first day of school after his mom has died. She always went to the bus stop with him. But this day, Forrest, Tom Hanks, walks to the bus stop. And in the last scene of the movie, you can see them sitting on the bench waiting for the school bus to come. And Tom Hanks, Forrest Gump, says... I'll be right here when you get back. What a sense of security. To a a child who's been through hell already and lost a mom. he needed someone to say, I'm not going anywhere. I'll be right here when you get back. Dads, our kids need to hear that message so bad. In a day of disappearing dads and men who break promises along the way, our children need the security of knowing that you'll always be there. The, the next verses in Psalm 1, verse 3 and 4 go on to say, "'He is like a tree that's planted by the stream of water, "'which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither. "'Whatever he does prospers, not so with the wicked.'" They are like chaff that the wind blows away. What a contrast. A strong, firm tree that ain't going anywhere or chaff that's just blown around. The wind can move it here or there. Godly men. Godly men whose roots run deep can withstand storms in life, who cling securely to their foundation, who stick to their principles. Wicked, man's, wicked men are as about as secure as that chaff of the wheat. Here's, you know, something I'm sick of, and why I'm proud of you guys for being here. I'm stinking sick and tired of the world portraying men in a way that says, oh yeah, men, you become a Christian, you give your life to Jesus, you get baptized, you show up at church every Sunday, you need to check your testosterone at the door and turn in your man card. That's garbage. That's garbage. Because the same God that filled our ladies full of estrogen for a purpose, filled our men full of testosterone for a purpose, so they could stand up and be men. So they could stand up and be strong, godly men. Because what did Paul say? Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and was willing to what? Die for her. That's a strong man. That's a strong man. And, and there are times that we need to be that protector. We need to take a stand at all costs. I, I remember, some of you guys are old enough to remember when this actually happened. And you watch, some of you probably watched this live on, T, on TV. Do you remember the tragedy in Tiananmen Square? Do you remember the massacre that happened in Tiananmen Square? And do you remember seeing this dude? This dude in front of four tanks. What's he going to do in front of four tanks? He's going to die. But he's saying, I'm not going down without taking a stand. Do you know that the most often, the the command that's in the Bible the most often is stand firm. Stand firm. Hold on. Take a stand. Take a stand. In a world that is so gender-confused, we need some men to step up and protect their families. Now that may mean, that may mean you're bro at the door and you ain't coming in or going out of here without my permission. That may mean that in the middle of the night when there's noises around that Smith and Wesson are your closest friends. That may mean that you actually protect your family from intruders, physical intruders, but it's far more likely that there are subtle intruders in our homes. Immoral behavior, inappropriate movies or music, damaging words that harm rather than heal, negative attitudes, workaholism, pride, anger, materialism. So many intruders threaten our families today. dance. We can help make our home secure if we protect it from negative influences. Now, here's the deal. We can't totally shut our kids off from the world. We, we can't. You, you can try that all you want, but you know, I still, I'm pretty sure we got enough officers in here. They can, they can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's still illegal to lock your kids in the closet. You can't completely protect them from the world. But you can stop surrendering the keys. Perhaps the most important key to security in the home is unconditional love. Our children should never, ever, ever wonder if something they did or didn't do make us love them more or less. In fact, I can make a strong argument that it's when they're doing wrong that God calls us to love them more. We love them if they're successful and obedient and athletic. But we love them if they fail and rebel and sit on the bench. We love them if they're beautiful or if they're plain. We love them if they get the lead in the school play or they're the one handling the props backstage. We love them when they make A's and when they make D's because they're R's. So we love them no matter what. As much as we can possibly love them. Here's what we got to do, guys. And, and I'm just going to, like, this is one of those challenge things. So you might want to, like, put stuff down and just grab hold of your seat for a minute. All right? We have to love them God's way. Teach them to do God things. Teach them to do it the right way. We talked about earlier. Dads or kids need us. Dads, you need to see your son's potential. You need to show him the kind of husband that he needs to be, how to treat a woman. How do you do that? You model it. You treat your wife that way. Well, what if she doesn't do her part? You still model it. Take care of your side of the street. Keep your side of the street clean. You model that for your sons. Dads, Your daughters, you got to see their beauty and their strength and show them the kind of man that they want to find someday. I talk to guys all the time. I talk to guys all the time on the golf course, in the gym, sometimes around here. I talk to guys that are living with a woman they're not married to. I love them. We hang out. We do stuff. But eventually it comes to the time that I challenge them, especially if they already have kids, especially if they already have little girls. Hey, what are you going to do someday when little Susie turns 18 and tells you that she's leaving and moving in with Tommy? Tommy. What are you going to do then? Every guy that I've ever asked that question, they get red-faced and they buck up. <laughs> no, no, that ain't going to happen. That ain't going to happen with my little girl. Why not? It's what you're doing. See, the world tells us that things are okay for us that we don't even want our kids to think about but we're modeling something come on guys we got this if you're that guy right now and you're in that situation put a ring on it and marry her not just because Beyonce said so but because God did alright but whoa, whoa 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 ladies if you're letting him get by with it kick him to the curb you can do better I told you better hang on. A little bit of challenge with a little bit of cheering, all right? We got this. But we got to do it God's way cuz there's so much at stake. Little minds are watching. Let me real quick move. On. Last thing fathers you got to you got to Lead by ensuring prosperity. And don't, don't get distracted by the word prosperity. It's, it's not a health and wealth gospel because that's not biblical. I, I'm not saying that it's up to dads to lavish their kids with luxury and all the nicest thing. Because I've seen dads in Mexico and Jamaica and Ukraine and in Shelbyville, Kentucky that work like crazy. That work their fingers to the bone and they never get really ahead much less wealthy. I've also seen dad stack a whole lot of cash and that doesn't provide prosperity either because God equips godly men to provide abundantly for their families. Psalm 1 says this, that a man is firmly grounded in the Lord and the tree that's planted by the streams of water, it produces fruit. Whatever he does prospers. But, but not everybody gets rich because maybe that's not the meaning of prosper. Dad's word provide for our families. Now, dads, hear me you need to make sure that your family's needs are provided for to the very best of your capability but you under, you need to understand the difference between needs and wants and your children need to understand that too first timothy 5 8 says if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family he is denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever now, I, 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 those are hard words, but I really believe the vast majority of men can provide for their their family, and their physical well-being in their families if they really want to, and most of them are really trying hard and way to go. But now I also understand that they're extenuating circumstances for some fathers. Serious disabilities. Serious disabilities. I didn't plan on it, bro, but... One of my greatest heroes is sitting over there in a wheelchair and he didn't stop providing for his family. Ben Medley can do it. Get off your rear and do it. Sorry, man, it's not in the notes. But we need to understand that. Now, there, there, may be, there may be situations, there, there, I know some situations where, guys, you, you you hit the jackpot. You married a woman who went school has an incredible, lucrative career that she really enjoys, and maybe you're just, it's you stay home, work at home, because don't for a minute think that a woman that stays at home doesn't have a job. Better get that out of your mind quick. You don't believe that? You go try to figure out how much it would cost you to hire a cook, someone to do your laundry, someone to clean your house, someone to chauffeur your kids around. You just feel like you can't get that big of a job. So don't think for a minute that ain't a job. But maybe in your situation, you're that person. You're still providing for the home. When we provide for our family's physical needs, it gives them a sense of security. They may not get everything they want, but they have their needs met physically and emotionally and spiritually. See, guys, understand me. Prosperity is not so much about wealth. It's about abundance. And, and a home that's rich in love, it's rich in relationships, it's rich in training opportunities and life lessons, that's a home that's rich, that's wealthy, that's pro- it's rich in joy. And you can't put a price tag on that. But guys, let's finish up. The most expensive... Gift that you can ever provide for your kids, for your family, is salvation. Because it costs Jesus everything. I hope you grasp the implications of all this. As important as it is to feed and clothe our children, our families, It's just as important to provide their spiritual needs. Here's what I know. Our kids learn to pray a lot quicker if they're watching you pray. Our kids learn to worship by watching you worship. Our kids learn to read their Bible by watching us read our Bible. Our kids learn to walk in faith because they've seen us do it. It's time to make some difference, time to make some changes. Guys, we're going to make some changes around here. We've had an awesome women's ministry here for decades. It's time for us to step up our game. We'll let you know we're joining a movement it's called the Uncommon Men's Movement, and we're actually hosting a conference here September 29th and 30th. Guys, get out your, your calendar, get at your phone right now, and put these dates. All right, yeah, ladies, you probably ought to do it and send it to them. I know they're not going to do it. But, but September 29th and 30th, having a regional men's conference here. It's going to start Friday and at 12 in the afternoon outside with games. We're going to roast pigs. We're going to roast deer. We're, We're going to cook every meat that we kill. All right. That's what we're going to do because that's what guys do, right? we're gonna we're gonna have mandate we're gonna do axe throwing contests we're gonna do all kinds of that kind of stuff it's gonna be a fun day and we got some friends coming jerry harris the founding pastor of the crossing is gonna be here and our buddy matt wilson is coming back some of you guys were here before and not only is matt coming for the men's conference he's coming for thursday night and sunday as well so we're gonna have a weekend of matt wilson and it's gonna be awesome and so you need to be here and you need to bring your sons if they're middle school or older The little ones probably not yet. Let them look forward to that. Because we're going to talk about some stuff as men that middle school boys need to hear. Maybe not little ones yet. All right? So registration is going to start pretty soon. And when it does, you need to get in. And trust me, you want to get the early bird registration. I'm just saying. All right? But we need you right now. Men, we need you right now. Guys, listen to me right now. Men, listen to me right now. You need to not only be a leader at home, but we need you right here. And and, and some of you guys are stepping up and like in the parking lot, and we need all those guys, security. But listen to me, guys. We need some of you in the nursery. You helped create them. You can help take care of them. We need some of you in the early childhood area helping Matt. We need some of you in the children's ministry area, helping the elementary kids, and in the student area. Because all those things we said earlier that that kids need from dads, we also said, but sometimes they need it from a surrogate dad, a coach, somebody else. Guys, quit leaving that stuff to the ladies. And if you're willing to take a stand and step up, as soon as we're done, you come see me and I'll get you in touch with the right person and we'll get you in the nursery. Not every week. But sometimes. We'll get you with the some eighth grade boys, some of which who may not know who their dad is, and they need you. They need you. Come on, guys. We got this. It's time to reclaim our homes and reclaim our marriages, reclaim our kids. Shoot, it's time to reclaim our nation. What an incredible privilege and responsibility. exercise authority and influence and protection and and, and security and prosperity. But the bottom line is, guys, listen to me. This is the most important thing you'll hear all day. We can't have a true relationship with our wife or our children if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because you can't give away what you don't have. Come on, man. We got this. I'm going to pray and at the end of service, Bobby and I will be around. If you need to talk about something, taking that next step, next service, we're going to see some baptisms. You might want to join them. Let's pray about that. God, thanks so much for loving us. Thank you so much for our dads and the men in our life who have stepped in to function as dads if dad wasn't around. Thank you for being the good, good, good father that you are and showing us what that looks like. Thank you for sending us your son that gives us a reason to hope and and have a chance of eternity and spend an eternity with you. God, take us deeper in our relationship with you. And there are people that need to take a step of faith today. I pray that you'll encourage them and they'll seek someone out to talk to today. God, thanks. Thanks for everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, here's the
5: deal.